Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us for ACW's first webinar in a series of Zoom meetings. With these webinar series, and with today in particular, we're going to provide an update on how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting the evolution of technology and business across the air cargo industry. My name is Chelsea Toxauer, and I serve as the news editor at Air Cargo World. Today, we have joining us Kathy Robertson and Karen Livingston. Kathy Robertson is an analyst with deep expertise across the transportation and logistics business. Kathy is the founder of Logistics Trends and Insights, which provides strategic supply chain research and analysis. She also writes a weekly column for Air Cargo World. Previously, she worked for a logistics research firm, an internet consultancy, and UPS Supply Chain Solutions, where she was an instrumental in the initial setup of UPS Supply Chain Solutions, as well as its further development. Karen Livingston is the editor of our monthly magazine, Air Cargo World, and W deputy editor of the company's monthly newsletter, CargoVax, as well as its weekly email publication, CargoVax Update. Prior to joining CargoVax in 2017, Karen worked as a journalist in Houston covering the oil and gas industry. So during today's webinar, Karen and Kathy will discuss the implications of the coronavirus pandemic on air cargo supply chains and technologies. The meeting will last about 30 minutes and will allow for some Q&A. So yeah, Karen, please get started. Thanks, Chelsea. Uh, before we begin our discussion, I just want to go over the protocols for asking questions. Uh, you can submit questions in the chat, or you can also use the use your, raise your hand function, and I will go ahead and unmute you and let you ask your question that way. Uh, so thanks, Kathy, for joining us today. Uh, okay. to, to kind of kick off our discussion today, um, I'm interested in your thoughts on what role technology is playing today during the coronavirus response efforts and what types of tech you, you're seeing that uh, you think could play a role that maybe aren't being fully utilized right now. Um, I think for right now, I think uh, last month in particular, when all of a sudden everything started shutting down so quickly, and the demand for healthcare uh, goods, equipment, supplies, and so on and so forth was desperately needed and needed really, really fast. Folks started turning towards the transportation management systems, global trade management systems, and such as that to book capacity, to book that uh, freight, either um, online or what have you. I also started seeing a lot more usage of the online platforms uh, that are, um, well, the third-party ones, as well as those that are uh, used by uh, the larger freight forwarders, larger 3PLs as well. So uh, I think those were the two biggest um, types of technology. Also those that were helping to optimize the routes because, again, speed, speed very much needed uh, throughout all of this. Yeah, it seems like we're starting to see some uh, some adoption of technologies that help improve uh, social distancing measures as well. Uh, I know yesterday uh, there was the UPS flight forward and CVS deal uh, where they're, they're kind of launching these uh, drone deliveries of uh, prescriptions in Florida. And I know that uh, Lynn Hughes with IATA has also mentioned one of the benefits of paperless systems right now is that uh, you don't have to handle the same papers that other people are touching and you can, it, 
you can kind of uh, keep your distance from people. Um, are, yeah. are you are you hearing of any other adaptations of this type of technology, or or do you think it should be more widely used right now? Okay, well, Karen, you should know me by now that I love drones, <laughs> and I'm constantly getting teased by everyone around me about my my love for drones. Yeah, I know the return on investment's probably not quite there yet. Technology is still a work in progress, but to make it more mainstream, we're going to have to test it. And I think UPS has been doing a great job partnering up with the various drone providers and testing this, particularly in the health uh, market. They've been um, doing a lot of the B2B type of drone uh, deliveries, hospitals, and other medical organizations. And I think yesterday's announcement was really cool. I mean, you talk about hands-off delivery. <laughs> yeah. Um, imagine the the package dropping down in your front yard, uh, your prescriptions. I, I think that's really cool. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, I, I don't think we're going to see drone deliveries everywhere. I think particular areas such as these retirement communities, I think that's a great and very creative use. Um, larger neighborhoods, suburban neighborhoods, I live in a neighborhood with over a hundred houses. Let's just launch the little drone, you know, down the street and deliver the packages. I think you're going to see more of this. Uh, FedEx is utilizing robots in that last mile delivery. And I think everyone has noticed when they're ordering groceries online, you know, the little click box, you know, for the hands off delivery, you know, leave it on the front steps and, and run. Um, I, I think more of these types of solutions are going to, um, we're going to see more of them and they're going to be more accepted. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, um, one problem of course is the regulatory angle, which drones have faced for years, but, uh, I'll be curious to see how, uh, the loosening of regulations that we've seen recently to enable, you know, easier cargo operations, if the, how many of those will be applied to drones, depending yeah, on the yeah. length of this. Yeah, because it's definitely not cheap uh, to invest in this, or, or for that matter, to even run them, because right now you've got to have someone launching it um, and, and monitoring it. But yeah, and you know, the paperless systems, you're right. I think we're going to see more of that. And not only paperless systems, but also payments as well. Um, particularly as we're going to suppliers when manufacturers or retailers are, are, are uh, using new suppliers. These uh, new suppliers are going to want their money up front. And if you need the items bad enough, you're going to have to figure out how to pay them quickly so that you can get your goods quickly. Right. That's a good point. And the more you can reduce the person-to-person -person interaction right now, the safer it is for everyone. Yes, totally. Yeah. And of course, you mentioned the cost of some of these types of uh, technologies, especially drones, which can be very expensive. Uh, do you expect logistics providers to kind of ramp up their technology investments right now? Or are they scaling back as, you know, the economy is, is taking this hit? I think it depends on the type of technology. Um, I'm not too sure a lot of people are gonna race out and, and start investing in drones at the moment. 
But I do think if anything that the pandemic has showed us is uh, the lack of visibility. There's a, a desperate need to improve visibility through the supply chain. I mean, and I'm not talking about the, you know, let's track the package, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all the way to the front steps. But I'm talking about a lot of these manufacturers, a lot of the retailers and other folks in, in various industries have no idea who their tier two, their tier three suppliers are. And, and beyond that, they are comfortable with their tier one suppliers, but there's no visibility beyond that supplier. And, you know, in the mad scramble to, you know, to, uh, to purchase the medical equipment and supplies, found that the tier one suppliers were running out and, you know, who do you go to next? You know, and that's where you need that visibility. And not only that visibility, but because supply chains are, are global, and in my opinion, they're going to remain global with probably parts of it maybe reshoring once this is over. We'll see. But um, mitigating risk. There's a lot of um, risk uh, tools out there that can be implemented into the supply chains. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that because the more complex your supply chain is, the riskier it's going to be. Right. Yeah. And on the on the topic of supply chain visibility, uh, it seems that some 3PLs are trying to kind of step in and uh, offer those kinds of visibilities as a service or as a value add. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if you have any in mind, uh, but certainly some of these, uh, the big forwarders are kind of trying to take their businesses into like new directions or offer additional services to their customers. Uh, one yeah. that comes to mind for me is uh, Crane Worldwide's new vertical covering the cruise, marine, and hospitality logistics field, uh, which I think is just a very interesting for this Houston-based group to kind of move into this new direction. Uh, I don't know if, if any examples come to mind for you. I think that's a really interesting vertical. I'm not sure how much demand they're getting right now for it, but um, you know, moving forward, who's to say, but you're right, your larger 3PLs as well as your larger forwarders are moving beyond their core capabilities. Uh, they're turning more into like 4PLs, lead logistics providers, where they're managing everything mm -hmm. for a customer. Uh, case in point, just recently uh, came out that SIVA is uh, managing GM's ventilator supply chain. They're serving as a 4PL there, which I find really interesting. And, um, and that role as the 4PL uh, lead logistics provider, they're consolidating, they're bringing all that data from the customs brokerage, from the freight forwarding, from the uh, warehousing, they're bringing it all into one centralized location and analyzing it and presenting it to their customer. So the customer is going to know how well their supply chain is performing, where's the gaps, and also for potential um, uh, new services as well, uh, which I, I think is pretty cool. And I think that's where you're going to see the freight forwarding business uh, move. They're going to be that data um, expert, the, uh, the nucleus of the overall supply chain, so to speak. And um, 
And so that's going to be kind of a new solution for a number of them. Kuninagle is doing this. DSV is doing this. Um, DHL. Uh, really all your, your larger freight forwarders and 3PLs are doing this right now. Right. And in the, in the space, I mean, we've seen some consolidation over the past few years uh, with these new services not necessarily just being a value add, but almost being, you know, a necessity during this time as people are trying to, to change their supply chains and trying to increase their visibility. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on uh, the speed of consolidation we, we might expect coming up. Uh, if, if the smaller forwarders uh, are attractive acquisition targets in this time. Okay, so let me throw it back at you. Would you buy a freight forwarder? <laughs> I guess it would depend on what they were offering. See, there you go. There you go. It always depends on what they have to offer. If they're a niche player, like um, if they're known for their uh, very cool cutting edge customs brokerage technology, there's going to be a number of folks interested in that. If they provide cold chain, uh, then there'll be folks interested in that. But if they're the basic freight forwarder, you know, offering, and they're doing, you know, good basic freight forwarding services, no, they probably won't survive, unfortunately. Freight forwarding market is a, um, I hate to even say this because it's so true, the overall supply chain industry, it's fragmented, where you have a very few, uh, few at the top, many at the bottom. Um, of the food chain, so to speak. And every year we always talk about there's going to be a consolidation. There's got to be a consolidation. I think this pandemic is going to be a tipping point for a number of these freight forwarders. Uh, the air and ocean freight markets have been volatile for a number of years. And I just don't see a lot of the freight forwarders surviving this fallout. They're either going to combine forces to try to hang on a little bit longer, or they're just going to have to close the doors. Uh, meanwhile, you're going to see the larger forwarders uh, get bigger, gain more share, uh, but they're going to look different, uh, like we talked about. They're going to be more uh, the 4PL uh, lead logistics provider. They're going to offer certainly a lot more technology on behalf of their sh uh, shipper client. Um, and I also see them. I, I think XPO Logistics is a great example of this uh, uh, overall online platform where you just log in as a customer and you can manage everything, all the modes of transportation, your contract logistics, um, and so on and so forth. That's where we're heading. And um, there are those that do offer it, like I said, XPO. However, there's glitches like anything else, but that's where we're moving towards. And it's gonna be predictive. There's gonna be a lot of artificial intelligence being implemented in this so that it learns. Um, the more you use it, the more it learns. So you know how many trucks to put on a trade lane. You know whether or not you should use air or ocean on a trade lane and, and, and such as that. Yeah, and of course there are also so many various technology providers. Um, 
I am curious, what are your thoughts on how, how many of these big forwarders will be kind of building their own internal systems for all of this versus how many are, are kind of, you know, using the APIs where they can to connect into these other technology offerings from, from providers? I think using the APIs uh, method is quick to ramp up. It's smart in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it leaves, you, it leaves you kind of open if you're not careful. So look at what happened to Toll Holdings uh, back in February. It's a cyber attack. They found a hole and um, someone found a hole uh, and uh, was able to, uh, it was a cyber attack basically that shut Toll down. Uh, well, not all of it, but a good bit of it. Same thing happened to Maersk a number of years ago. That was, um, that was a huge hit, as well as FedEx. So you have to be careful. You have to be um, um, you know, careful the way you, you go about doing this. I do like the API approach. DSV did this, um, and they're still doing it. They've partnered up with like WiseTech and a number of other solution providers. DHL is using... Um, uh, wise tech as well. Uh, Kuna Nagel took a different approach. Uh, they've partnered up with a very nice, uh, well-respected technology company based in Germany, and they've been with for a number of years, and they've been building out their portal. So they're all offering some type of an online platform uh, now. Uh, particularly to go after the e-commerce providers, the small to medium-sized shippers, um, and, you know, to attract that new business. Right. Yeah, especially as, uh, as some of the big express providers are, are competing with some of the e-commerce carriers like, uh, like Amazon, for example. I know that that's especially important to t kind of target the smaller uh, e-commerce yeah. sellers. Well, that was such a gap that wasn't, it wasn't being addressed by uh, the, the traditional players. Uh, were these uh, third-party sellers to the Amazons, the Alibabas, and the um, other uh, eBay people using the online marketplaces? They had never, um, uh, you know, did any type of shipping, international shipping. So, that's where you saw a lot of the startups, the, uh, these uh, third-party online platforms coming into play. And, uh, and that's when you started seeing the, the express providers, the freight forwarders, and so on, taking notice, going, there's a market here. We're not addressing it, and we need to do that. And so that's when you saw the um, investments being made. Yeah. Yeah, and that's especially important right now when so many brick-and-mortars stores are closed and you have all of these sellers trying to move their products for the first time internationally mm -hmm. in this online space. Exactly. So, I mean, you saw uh, Flexport was one of the first to get into this. Uh, they saw this, net, this, this need. And then you saw other players coming in and they would do uh, webinars to attract these, these third-party sellers. And, you know, th there's a lot of them. And um, a lot of them. So, yeah, again, and it's funny because when I was at UPS, and this has been a long, long time ago, 
we were focused on large shippers. We didn't want to be focused on the smaller shipper because it took too many of them to make a profit. Well, full circle, now they want the small to medium size, which is, which is smart because the majority of businesses are small to medium size. Yeah, yeah and those businesses are definitely looking for that, for that support right now. So that is yeah. a, a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I guess uh, one technology area you mentioned briefly, but that we didn't really have time to discuss at the moment was uh, the payment platforms, which is another uh, segment that's getting pretty, uh, pretty uh, segmented. Yeah, so there's, there's many options there. And uh, so uh, how are you seeing them whether this, uh, this kind of consolidation movement, I mean, if the industry is consolidated, then you have, you know, many players who who are picking a variety of, of uh, platforms, but as it, as it kind of consolidates, there's, there's fewer players to go around, so. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's exactly what's gonna happen in the payment um, market as well, because, you know, you've got, uh, you've got government regulations that are playing into this, and so many players, there's gonna be an eventual fallout on this. Uh, and also acceptance. You have some shippers that may still be leery of, 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 of providing financial details online simply because of any type of a cybersecurity um, concerns. So you have to be careful. Uh, but I do see it growing. Um, and it's, it's funny, it's almost uh, can equate it to those of us that have push back on not wanting to order groceries online, but we found out that we had to uh, because we weren't allowed to go to the grocery stores and such. And I think the yeah, same yeah. type of thinking when it comes to payments is going to come into play. You know, it'll be a grudgingly accepted uh, type of service. And then all of a sudden it'll be, oh my God, why didn't we think about this sooner? Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are right now a number of players and I'm, um, and, you know, and also when you're dealing with payments, you're also having to deal with paying for insurance as well. And you have a number of players in that field also. And a lot of your 3PLs, your larger 3PLs, your larger freight forwarders do offer such services as that, uh, usually with a partner. But I do know like with UPS, they have a subsidiary, a UPS Capital, that provides these types of um, services. Right. Yeah, that I mean, I think it'll be very interesting to see which technologies people are kind of pushed into, depending on yeah. how how long this uh, this goes. Well, we're out of time for today, but thanks again, Kathy, for joining us. It's been a great discussion.